Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Curveball. I am your host, Curveball, and today I am joined by Amanda Neely. She is a financial expert with 10 years of knowledge in business growth and developing personal financial strategies. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Why don't you start off by giving everybody a little bit of background about yourself, maybe telling them where you're from and anything else you would want them to know before we get started? Sure. Yeah. I'm from a small town in uh, Southern Ohio is where I was born. But my mom likes to say that as soon as I started talking, I started talking about growing up and moving off to a big city. I did that shortly after I turned 18, lived in Chicago for a long time, actually about another 18 years. And now I'm actually back in Ohio. I currently reside in Cincinnati Um, and couldn't go back to the country life, had to stay in the city. And um, I also find myself now as a mom. I've got a two and a half year old little cutie and um, just enjoying life, getting to give my gift to the world through uh, creating content, talking with awesome people like you and helping people one on one. Absolutely. Now, what what got you into finance? What what happened in your life that made you decide to do what you're doing now? Yeah. So I never intentionally set out to make this happen. I actually, after college, went into the nonprofit sector thinking, I want to change the world, make it a better place for people. That's where I got to be. And over time, I started hearing and realizing how entrepreneurship could really impact people's lives, create jobs, help build the economy um, for you know the neighborhood that that small business is in. And so left my nonprofit uh, and started a business along with my husband. And we got a couple years in and realized we were on the edge financially ourselves started working with a certified financial planner and he dramatically changed everything for our personal finances so that we felt like we were not on the edge of bankruptcy for ourselves personally anymore. And then we're like, well, but we need to make the business work to make the personal side work. So we started learning everything we could about how to actually make our business profitable. It was a coffee shop. So you can imagine really low margins, selling a cup of coffee, lots of staff and overhead. Uh, So that was quite a journey. And then series of events later, we were, we felt like we were finally profitable. We were paying ourselves. And that's when we found out we were pregnant and we did a nice gut check, decided this isn't really the kind of life we want to raise a kid in. And so we arranged to sell the business. And when we were thinking about what do we do next, the work that we had done with that financial planner, it had changed our lives so much that we're like, why don't we do that for other people so that their lives are changed like ours were, and that can impact themselves, their families, their entire communities, uh, can make the world a better place if people have smart, stable financial strategies. What advice would would you have for 
millennials looking to start their own business like you did? Yeah, I've got like my top three things. There's so much to learn, but my top three things, I think if you have these, you've got a lot um, and you can build off of them. So the first one is to have that sense that you know, that you know, that you know, that starting this business is part of your destiny or your purpose in life or whatever you want to call it. Um, Cause there, there's going to be lots of times when you're going to want to quit. But if you have that sense of knowing this is part of what you're supposed to do, you'll keep going instead of quitting. Um, and then the second one is to not do anything alone to involve as many people as you can in as many different ways as you can. Doesn't mean you got to have the money to pay them. People are willing to volunteer to help you out. Um, you know, all kinds of different ways to involve people uh, in helping you start your business. So just don't don't try to do it alone. Uh, have a team. Teamwork makes the dream work, as I like to say. And then the third thing is to to really actually like do the financial part of it. Um, when I wrote our first business plan way back 2008, we were lost when it came to the finances and we had, we had to learn the hard way. And that's one of the big things I wish I would have spent more time on was making sure our business is going to be profitable from day one, because that's totally possible. Speaking of finances, what other advice would you give people as reasons to stay focused on their financial plans? Yeah, this is hard because like money isn't everything. I hate like that I talk about money and think about money all the time. I actually want to get on with living my life and not think about money. But I actually think that's why I need to take a little bit of time, focus on my money, get some things aligned that I know are going to work. I've got a high degree of confidence in. And then I can go about my life with less stress, less worry, more of a sense of, I know my money is working for me. I know it's going to be there for me. I'm not, you know, losing sleep over what the stock market's doing or if I'm going to lose my job tomorrow or anything. I've got a plan for all those things that could happen. And that's like huge, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're working a nine to five or you've, you're barely making ends meet. To, to have some sort of sense of control that no matter what happens, you can get through it and you've got a game plan together. I think that makes all the difference. And what ways did motherhood change your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah. I mean, it made me switch industries entirely. Um, but, but, but like the reason there was because um, like, it makes my life more than just about me or even just about impacting other people. I want to live a life that's a good model for my son. Um, and that is going to show him that entrepreneurship is actually really cool to be a, your own business owner, to have that sense of, of control over your life. And you're not worried about losing it, your income because like, I know he's, he can't count on a job leader and I want him to have that, sense that entrepreneurship is good for a family, not something that takes mom and dad away from the family. And that's given me a different set of values for how I pursue entrepreneurship. Absolutely. What are some cornerstone financial practices that are not widely known to people that you can talk about? 
Yeah. So I think you've actually had a former guest talk about this. Um, so kudos to you because not a lot of podcasts are going to have already had an episode about this. Um, the episode, the guest was Mark Willis. Um, he is actually, remember I talked about the certified financial planner that came alongside me and helped me. He, he was that guy in the story. Um, so I'd encourage your listeners to go back and listen to his episode. But it's this idea of having a smart, stable financial future rather than buying into ideas like you've got to speculate to accumulate, no risk, no reward. Some of that's true, but if you're taking all the risk by starting a business, if your speculation is that you're going to be able to make this business successful, do you really want to risk and speculate with the hard-earned money that you have? And so I've found this concept called a bank on yourself has been really helpful for my personal side of my finances to help give me a solid foundation. Um, it's also known as infinite banking or a whole bunch of other names. And then for my business side, there's a concept called profit first that really helps me make sure my business is benefiting me and my family more than it's benefiting, you know, vendors or the internal revenue service or my, my, uh, employees, right? Um, and actually those two concepts combined uh, is I think the future of uh, how people handle their money, particularly how business owners handle their money. Absolutely. Well said. What are some of the ways we can be more thoughtful about the social impact of the way we use our money? Oh yeah, there's so much here that we could spend a couple of days unpacking but if you look at like the journey of money and what happens when you put it in your bank and how the bank then can leverage it to lend out way more than what you put in and how that lending can keep people in poverty, right? Keep them slave to the people they owe money to. There's some pretty big impact to that. Um, but it's also like, but what are you going to do, right? You're, there has to be some kind of debt in order for there to even be money. Um, but it, we also have to think about how much we're enabling that to happen, as well as like then how we spend our money. That's where a lot of people focus on in terms of value-based uh, use of your money. You think about buying direct trade coffee instead of coffee that's enslaving coffee farmers. Same with you know clothes that are ethically produced, uh, how, where you get your electricity and your heating, right? Are you using solar or wind energy? Are you burning coal? That kind of idea. But I don't think enough people think about like, where's your money housed? Whether it's the cash in the bank or the investments that you have in your 401k and IRA um, and how are they being used for making the world better or making the world worse, right? And what does that look like? And so I think you've got to look at it um, on both sides, how you're contributing trade-wise um, when you buy things, and then also where you're saving and investing your money and what that looks like too. How has your childhood experience with poverty guided your career up to this point? Yeah, as you might guess, um, I, I've talked a lot about things that are ending poverty, right? Creating jobs. And a lot of that comes from my own experience um, from poverty myself. So when I was born, my parents were in public assistance 
And my mom went to college in her 30s in order to get a good job, bring our family out of that. And that's really shown me that there's always a way, right? And she she like instilled this in me from when I was really young, that if like you put your mind to something, you can do it, right? Kind of if you believe it, you can achieve it kind of idea. But I've seen that in her, right? She went, she went to it. She made it happen. And that's kind of made me believe like it's not impossible to end extreme poverty. It's not impossible for anybody from where they're starting to make good decisions, put themselves and their families in a better place. I mean, it, it's possible to actually like not eat cat food in retirement, right? Like I often say, I can't guarantee any of my clients that they'll be wealthy, but with a high degree of certainty, I can ensure that they're not going to live in poverty. And that's really important to me uh, just from how, you know, what I've experienced myself. What's it like to be a female entrepreneur in the financial sector? Is it any different than being a male entrepreneur? It's a little different. I actually think I have sometimes an advantage because the way I think is a little different. And I think people are are interested in something different. They don't want the same old sales pitch, right? Or, you know, uh, sleazy promises that you might expect from a financial professional. So I think that gives me an edge. But it's also, it's kind of hard sometimes when people you know, just assume because I'm female, I don't have anything good to say, or because I'm so young, I, I don't have enough experience to really know what's going on. So I just, I just prove them wrong, do my best job, um, explain things really well, know what I'm talking about, practice, practice, practice. And um, that, I think that actually sometimes um, I can't rest on my laurels, right? I've got to, I got to keep uh, proving myself for good or for bad, you know, each day. Do you and your husband have any other projects that you're working on? Any maybe speaking engagement books or anything uh, coming up in the future that people need to know about? Yeah, we actually started a new podcast slash YouTube show in September of 2020 because we realized we needed to be putting that alternate story out there. And I'm really excited for the um, reactions that we're getting and it seems to be really helping people. So I'm starting to think about taking that content, putting it into maybe a book format or maybe like I'm using it as a, a launching to maybe for an online course. Cause I know sometimes those, uh, can get better attraction than a book. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know a lot of people that sit down and read books anymore. Right. But if you have like a practical, you watch a video, you do some action steps, you move forward. That seems like it's the way of the future. Um, so I'm thinking more and more about what that looks like as, as we um, see what's working from the content we are creating. Well, tell, tell us about that podcast. I started my podcast in September too. So tell us all about what the podcast is about and how we can connect with it. Yeah, it's called the Fife Podcast, F-I-F-E, and that stands for Financial Independence Female Entrepreneur or a Feminine Entrepreneur. It's not just for females. And it's really for anybody that's they're pursuing financial independence, whether they want to get there fast or slow, they want to be financially independent, um, but they, they want to do it from 
a feminine perspective and an entrepreneurial perspective. And what I mean by that for the entrepreneurial side, right? They're not going to work for the man or they don't want to for very long, but they want to pursue their passion and make money from their passion as soon as possible. I started doing that in my twenties. I've been really excited about that. Um, It's been totally transformative of my life. So I want to talk more about what that looks like. And then the feminine side is more of a concern about the safety and security and less concern about taking a lot of risk, right? And speculation with our money. Um, And I think that's not talked enough about, especially when you're talking about financial independence, that um, they're thinking about stocks and ETFs and index funds, where I want to talk about, well, what is a... um, a stable portfolio look like? Um, how much money, what do you do with the money you don't want to risk in the stock market? How much uh, should you have safe and not at risk in the stock market? Those are the kinds of questions we're thinking about there. And you said it's on YouTube and I imagine all of your favorite podcast platforms. Yes. Okay. What, what are some more ways people can connect with you throughout, you know, your website and, all your contact information. Yeah. So the best place to check out um, our, uh, if you like the Fife idea is fifemovement.com. That's F-I-F-E movement.com. And there you'll find actually a a gift, a five-day mini course, trying out the course thing, seeing uh, how it works, if people like it, that kind of thing. So I'd love, um, some feedback on it. It's got some really great information, both for personal finance and for business finance and how the same concepts are true in both and can be applied to both. Um, so that, that would be a great next step besides checking out the podcast. Um, it's fifemovement.com. And if you want to just reach out to me directly, it's Amanda at fifemovement.com. Are there any other topics that we haven't touched on that you would like to discuss before we go? Um, I guess I would, I would um, kind of put out there if people are thinking about starting podcasts um, that I, I think it's great. Uh, content marketing is something I've been doing since 2009 after we wrote that first business plan. It was a blog back then. Um, I'd be curious to know, Curveball, what, what kind of advice would you give someone who's thinking about starting a podcast? I would tell them just do it and, you know, work really hard at it and whatever your niche is, try to be a credible expert. That way people trust you and and people come to you and just realize that you may not make money in the beginning or you might not get, you know, 90 million downloads like some people get now. It does take time, but if you're willing to do it and you go, go into it with the right reasons or for the right reasons you can make it work i agree 100 percent. ladies and gentlemen amanda neely amanda thank you so much for joining me today yeah thank you curveball it's been my pleasure absolutely and listeners please remember to subscribe rate and review for more information on the living the dream podcast visit www.djcurveball.com Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.